This is J.G. Hertz, the General Mar Talker on Deep Space Nine, and you're listening to Trek FM. Hello and welcome to Season 7, Episode 3 of Commentary, Trek Stars, a show which deals with the work of Star Trek creators outside of Star Trek. I'm Mike. I'm John. And today is Part 3 in our series on Simon Pegg, looking at his work as a writer. And today we're looking at the second movie, which Simon Pegg wrote, and the second film in the Cornetto trilogy, Hot Fuzz. So, this is a movie which was released in 2007. It was co-written by Edgar Wright and directed by Edgar Wright, just like the the first movie in the Cornetto trilogy, which was Shaun of the Dead, which we talked about last week. And, John, would you like to give sort of a synopsis of this film? Simon Pegg uh, plays a policeman uh, who gets sent... Police officer. Ah, good catch. Who gets (laughs) sent from the streets of uh, London over to the countryside... Uh, because he's making everybody look bad uh, by being such a good police officer. And uh, he winds up uncovering a plot in this beautiful little burb that he gets sent to uh, involving uh, intrigue, town meetings, and uh, beautification committees that uh, are up to nefarious, awful things. Yes, yes. It, it, what Shaun of the Dead is to the zombie movie uh hot fuzz is to the cop movie yes you know? very much so so how did you come across this i mean we're talking now it's been 3 years since shawn of the dead was released uh simon pegg has become somewhat of of an icon in 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 this culture and in in geek culture and surely uh everyone is looking forward to the next film by Edgar Wright in the next film, you know, starring Simon Pegg, you know, co-written and starring Simon Pegg, the next film in the Cornetto trilogy, you know, which they were talking about for uh, quite a while. Um, So how did you come about this movie? Were you there on opening day or did it kind of (laughs) sneak up on you like Shaun of the Dead? Uh, No, this was another, I guess you could say sneak up because uh, same, I missed it in the theaters same friend who recommended Shaun of the Dead to me uh, saw it. He said, oh, you got to see this. This is, this is just as good, if not better. You've you got to see this. It's really clever. And I said, yeah, 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 I'll get around to it. I'll get around to it. Never got around to it. And then eventually came out, uh, you know, for rental. And he said, come on, please, you got to watch it. And I watched it. And I said, why didn't, what? This is the second time. Why didn't I go see this when he told me to go see it? And uh, I loved it. I thought it was great. I, I Honestly, my initial reaction was, more positive to Hot Fuzz than it was than my reaction to Shaun of the Dead. So first time around, yeah, I, I definitely got uh, ahead of the curve on this one. Um, you know, after the after Shaun of the Dead came out, you know, like I was saying, all my friends were super fans, and uh, I, I liked it quite a bit too. Um, and I definitely was was looking forward to Hot Fuzz. And I don't know if you remember this, but. Edgar Wright and Simon Pegg and Nick Frost did a thing where they went around the country during doing sort of a tour before the movie came out, uh, and they were uh, doing these things which they were calling hot fuzz where they would show 
each one was different and it had different combinations, but uh, most of the time they would show like one or two um, classic cop movies that somehow were an influence on uh, Hot Fuzz and then they would show Hot Fuzz, you know, and, and do like a Q&A afterwards, you know, that sort of thing. Um, here in, in Chicago, what they did was actually the, the day before at the Bruin View, which is a terrible theater, but you know, as as you might expect, and and as we'll learn, okay, they they were doing a thing where uh, y- you could go and watch three a, a a triple feature. It was Infernal Affairs, which is a great movie, by the way. It's the original version. It's the movie which The Departed is a remake of. Ah, um, okay. It's really good uh, in in a very different way from the de- the Departed. Like the Departed is much more sort of like a f- more fleshed out, more character driven version, whereas this one is much more stylized and everything. It's so, really interesting. So, say you were theoretically speaking to somebody right now that wasn't as in love with the Departed as everybody else was, would they maybe like Infernal Affairs more? They might. I mean, if you aren't so much into the, you know, like uh, character drama, but you sort of like it more on a conceptual level and want to see sort of a a more slimmed down um, sort of um, hyper real version of that story, Mm -hmm. then that then I would recommend it. Good to know. I'll recommend to this hypothetical person that maybe they should check it out. Okay, good. <laughs> that that was actually the second movie. The first movie was um was it Streets of Fire, I think. Okay. Which was a it's a Walter Hill movie, which I, I had never seen. Mm-hmm. And um the third movie was going to be Point Break. Okay, which everyone loves Point Break, very much uh a part of, of this of this trilogy. Yeah, I don't really, I don't really love Point Break, but that's I've, okay. I've I've seen none of those three movies, <laughs> and, and I I will never hear the end of the grief for never having seen Point Break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, Point Break, not not a good movie, um, but one of those movies which you just if you want to see like a, like classic cheesy schlock. You know, if you want to appreciate the scene where Nick Frost fires his gun up in the air, yeah, like that's what Point Break is for an hour and a half. You know, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, imagine a movie starring Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves about these bank robbers who are surfers by day and uh, basically surf as their getaway after robbing banks. And this, you know, really good ex-surfer who's now a cop who needs to go undercover to stop them, you know, infiltrate their gang and stop them. But then he realizes that, mm-hmm. you know, he shares like a kinship with them because they're on you know the same what it wavelength. Like. You know what, what it sounds like? Fast and the Furious, only with surfboards instead of cars. Actually, yeah, it is kind of like that. Yeah. yeah. Imagine Fast and the Furious with surfboards instead of cars and, and with Keanu Reeves instead of Paul Walker and Patrick Swayze instead of Vin Diesel and wow. Gary Busey just for good measure cuz why wouldn't you have Gary Busey I think I think he was sort of a mandatory actor to appear in 80s movies after a certain point Yeah 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 So yeah I mean if that sounds like your cup of tea 
I, I don't know how it couldn't be. I mean, as soon as you said Gary Busey, I was like, well, I, I know, right? It sounds like I did that pitch meeting. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And all, uh, by the way, all, uh, you know, with a script by James Cameron and directed by <laughs> Oscar winning filmmaker Catherine Bigelow. So there's that too. Mind bending is what that is. <laughs> now I feel like I have to see it. You do have to see it, even though it's not very good. It's a sight to behold. <laughs> So that was going to be the third movie, right? Okay. So the first movie, uh, Streets of Fire, uh, s- movie starts up, you know, like they got the guy from Ain't It Cool News there to introduce it and everything, Steve Procopi. He movie starts up, and um, it's not Streets of Fire. It's some weird, um, like, I think it was like a, a, a Korean movie. If I'm not mistaken, okay, like a like a family drama sort of thing, or whatever. Wow, how do you mix those up? Uh, well, apparently, like the name of the movie was like Street of Fire or something along <laughs> those lines. Whatever, someone whoever was booking the movie made a mistake, and there was like a plural that wasn't the same or something, and they ended up shipping the wrong movie, and no one bothered to check. So after about five minutes, they're like, yeah, okay, we apologize for this. You know what? We are going to just skip this movie and instead watch Infernal Affairs. And now here's the other thing about this, right? This is the whole thing was you come to the triple feature, you stay through all three movies, and at the end you get a pass to see Hot Fuzz, an advanced screening of Hot Fuzz the next day. Wow, and you know Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg, and Nick Frost are going to be there, right? Okay, yeah. so that was the deal. So, so that happens. So they're like, okay, fine, we'll skip that. We'll just go to Infernal Affairs. Infernal Affairs starts up. We watch about the first fifteen minutes. It's awesome. It's great seeing Infernal Affairs on the big screen and everything like that. Then all of a sudden, you hear a loud pop, and the screen goes black. Oh no! And you still hear the sound, and I'm like, hmm. Uh-huh. That, to me, sounds like a bulb just exploded. Oh, and man. sure enough, the bulb and the projector exploded, right? And they're like, okay, the bulb and the projector exploded. We can't obviously run the movie with a, a bulb which has exploded. It takes a while for the thing to cool down because that stuff does get super hot, you know? Sure. And, you know, you need to wait till it cools down about an hour before you can clear it out before installing a new bulb, which isn't, you know the easiest thing in the world to do anyway. So it would be like an hour and a half before they'd be able to get the movie up and running again. Okay. So they were like, okay, okay, we can't show that. We can't show any movies that we have here. You know what we're going to do, just because it's the only thing that we can do now, is we're just going to go down the street to the music recyclery and buy a DVD of Shaun of the Dead, and we're going to run that on our little video projector and watch that instead. Oh, wow. And so that's what they did? Yeah. Okay. It was squeezed. Like, they didn't stretch it out, you know, a bit to make it like 16 by 9. So the image was squeezed. And the bulb on that was dying. So they kept on, <laughs> a message kept on showing up on the screen saying, like, bulb uh, needs to be replaced, you know. And then they had to, like, clear it out. So, you know. Was there any sort of like professional rage building in you at this point where you were like, that's enough. And you like stood up and you charged up. You're like, who's running this joint? You know, it's just one of those things, you know, it's one of those things that happens. But 
regardless, after seeing Shaun of the Dead, we got to get passes to see this thing. And they brought with them, when they went on this tour, they brought uh, a, a, their friend, um, Joe Cornish. They brought with him with Joe Cornish, who at one point was going to be making Star Trek Thirteen. But did that small world man fell through, yeah, and uh, like I was really excited because he they brought him along to shoot a documentary about their u s tour, and um he 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 made this thing and and in the in the thing you you see like the the screening that we went to, and oh. my friends dressed up as cops, as I said last time, and there's actually a moment in there where Nick Frost, while he's on stage, says, "Are those coppers?" And then they turn around, and there's my friends sitting awesome. there with their their full gear and everything. And uh, I'm like, hey! And at one point, if you look really closely, if you pause it, you can see my hat. You know, like it's <laughs> in like just a blur, but it's I know where I was sitting, and that's where it is. And I was like, oh my god, I was in a movie directed by the guy who's making the new Star <laughs> Trek movie, but that didn't happen. Anyway, Almost. so close. Yes. All of this is to say, you know, hey, I, I saw the movie like before it came out with a crowd, which was extremely amped up and ready to see it with, you know, Simon Pegg and everyone there in attendance and everything and, and doing a and a afterwards and all this stuff. And, and it was kind of great. You know, it was the, the, the absolute ideal place to see that yeah. movie. And everyone was really into it. And, and it, it uh, I, I definitely liked it a whole bunch. What, what, what do you think about the, the movie now? Uh, rewatching it, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, do I like it as much as Shaun of the Dead? I think that it's a little more. Uh, I, I don't, I don't quite know how to say it. It's more polished than Shaun of the Dead, in my opinion. But I think that also some of its, uh, some of Shaun of the Dead's uh, uh, exuberance. Uh, like I, I'm, I'm looking for the right word, but some of its raw energy is blunted. A little bit, um, but overall, I, you know, I get a lot of laughs out of it. I, I really do. Even though I haven't seen Point Break, uh, they they do the courtesy of showing the scene that they <laughs> reference, which I thought was very kind of them. Yes, uh, yes. and uh, you know, I I really like it a lot. I you know, having seen Shaun of the Dead and now this, I, if I were to pick one of the two, I would actually probably go with Hot Fuzz. I thought that what gives Hot Fuzz the edge for me is the supporting characters. Timothy Dalton is fantastic in this movie. He's really great. There are a lot of really cute visual cues in it. You know, like when he's standing in his office and he gives that smile. And it's the exact same smile that's in the photo over his shoulder. Um, <laughs> it's got Belloc in it. It's got yep. the Equalizer in it. It's got James Bond in it. I mean, come on. You know, mm -hmm. that's just so cool. Yeah, you know, I, I think that it shows a lot of uh, growth on the part of the filmmakers. Like you're saying, it does feel much more polished and like a lot of sort of the visual gags and visual tricks that they were trying to do in Shaun of the Dead, I think they were able to pull off in this movie. Mm -hmm. I, I think that Simon Pegg certainly has grown as an actor in this movie. It shows yeah. that he could do like something which is just like straight up serious and uh, totally yeah. pull it off. I mean, here... He's totally the straight man, you know, mm -hmm. and he's really funny in it. But it's it all the humor comes from him, like not really being aware of the fact that he's in a comedy. If that makes yeah. any sense, the character oh, it makes perfect at least, sense. Yeah, absolutely you know? agree. 
And uh, the the one thing that I would say in in Shaun of the Dead's favor really is that it is a better written movie. Uh, mm. I think that that Shaun of the Dead's intricacies are are, are a bit more um, impressive, and I think that it's sort of overall story, you know, and and that sort of like uh, that that character growth and everything is is uh, more effective, but. I think that Hot Fuzz is also very well well written on its own, and I don't know. It, it, I I get the impression it's kind of like that that thing that you always hear about with uh, bands and you know their their first album and then their second album, you know, sucking you know kind of thing, where it's like you spend you know like a band comes onto the scene or whatever, they've spent you know five ten years working on that first album. And then yeah. it's released, and it's just like you know the best you'll ever know. And then they've got like a year to come up with their second album, and mm-hmm. it's like you just can't compete. You know that's why there is like sort of a sophomore slump. And I'm not saying that that's what happened with Hot Fuzz. I'm just saying that like Shaun of the Dead, they've been waiting their entire lives to make a movie. They've been training for mm-hmm. it. They did television. They did short films and everything. And when you have a chance to make that first movie, you're going to throw everything in there. Mm-hmm. And then now you have to follow that up. And, you know, there's just no way it can be as good in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I, to- I totally get what you're saying. Uh, the Doors' first album versus Strange Days. You have to revisit Strange Days uh, after the first album. And you're like, oh, no, wait, no, yeah, this is really good, too. You know, and so I, I, I get what you're saying with that. Um, I, but also to speak to your point about Shaun of the Dead having a more interesting, I guess, character arc, um, that is the one thing that Hot Fuzz is missing. Is Hot Fuzz is, you know, an homage to all of those great shows, but there's not that same. Like Shaun goes through that whole thing where, you know, when do you grow apart from your best friend? When do you find purpose in your life? When do you finally you know, knuckle down and, and start behaving like an adult. Whereas this is a series of vignettes uh, to get to the end, mm-hmm. which I, you know, which I suppose is a nod in and of itself to, uh, you know, cop movies in general. I still prefer it. I still think it's funnier. And I, I do like, I mean, to speak to, you know, they, they revisit some of their, their gags and, and refine them. The run through the gardens is a nod to Shaun of the dead but at the same time is even funnier to me because he's the one that, you know, he says again, you know, that it's a shortcut and he goes through perfectly fine. And then it's Nick Frost that runs straight through the fence and falls down. Like for me, that's just funnier, even funnier. Yeah, it's cool. I I mean, I I do like how they sort of parallel the two, you know, I mean, all three movies in this trilogy and you haven't seen the last one yet. Have you? I have not. I'm going to be seeing it for the first time for this, uh, for this examination. It's, it's exciting, but you know it's kind of cool that all three movies in in this trilogy sort of do have um, like similar themes running through them. In addition to each one being sort of a um, interesting and comedic take on a genre, you know. Mm-hmm. So you know, zombie movies the first time, cop movies the second time, you know. Uh, it's, uh, 
robot movies the third time? I don't know. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see. But, uh, you know, I, I do think that that's kind of cool how, how you get to see the, those parallels. And it really is sort of an examination of of genre and also of, uh, you know, friendship, I think. You know, the fact that they've got these two actors playing different characters, but, you know, friends in all three movies and different types of relationships in all three is also, you know, I think really mm-hmm. cool. It it really does play with the cop genre, but in like not not even just like a sort of singular cop genre. You know, it it, mm-hmm. it makes fun of sort of all of it, or it pays homage to all of it. There's the point break thing. There's the bad boys two thing for sure, which you could say is kind of an extension of that. But also like just the plot in general feels like you know sort of a quaint uh british mystery like an agatha christie mystery in a sense but what's interesting is when i was reading the description for it uh when i rented it on itunes they said that there's there's a heavy homage to the wicker man which i've never seen i've Uh, never seen the wicker man either yeah but i i think the the whole (laughs) thing of the secret society and the robes and everything is the nod to the wicker man or something like that i could see that now, it, it, now I feel like I have to see The Wicker Man to get all of the jokes that are in this movie. Which one, the original or the remake? Why would I watch anything with Nicolas Cage? There's some good Nicolas Cage movies okay, out there. Okay, post-National Treasure. Let me qualify it that way. Does National Treasure count as like a good one? No, yeah, the first one was good. He first does some good. crazy stuff. Like He puts himself out there for sure, you know? I mean, certainly one of his... his uh, I mean, well... The second Ghost Rider movie, have you seen that? No, because I saw half of the first one. Okay, okay, okay. But here, no. let's 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 be fair here, okay? The okay. first Ghost Rider movie is from the director of Daredevil and Simon Birch, right? Okay. Yes. The second Ghost Rider movie is from the directors of Crank and Crank High <laughs> Voltage, okay? Quite a and, pedigree there. And they're like crazy, like just like, ah, you know, and I'm like, as soon as I heard that, I'm like, oh, I have to see this movie, you know, and there's one moment in this, in that movie, like I remember (laughs) sitting in the theater watching it and thinking like, this is it. This is one of those things that people talk about when they talk about Nicolas Cage's acting, you know, one of those crazy moments. I'm witnessing it as it's happening. And there's like this thing where he's like trying to keep Ghost Rider in, you know, and he can't do it. And he's like trying really hard to contain it. And at one point he's like, Griffin at the door, Griffin at the door. It's amazing. I, you know, you got to see it. I take nothing away from his talent. His his choice in movies is what I questioned. Okay, yeah. I mean, he does do some... Cra- and now he's getting really crazy with, like, some direct-to-video stuff. And, like, he was in, uh, what, the Left Behind movie. The, the, the moral remake. of his story is never give power of attorney to somebody that you don't <laughs> trust completely. It's, it, it is kind of It's strange. almost as if he didn't watch Rocky V <laughs> and learn from the lesson of Pauly about power of attorney. But he was in uh, well, Kick-Ass, and he was really good in that. Yes, he was really good in kick Again, the guy has talent, but it's like the good movies nowadays with Nicolas Cage, are, they're, you know, they're accidental almost. It's, all, it's like the pleasant surprise where it's like, oh, Nicolas Cage, oh, that was actually pretty good. See, I don't blame that on him. I blame that on like people like, you know, not, I mean, not, not knowing how to utilize him. You know what I mean? Also, people making bad movies but having Nicolas Cage in them. 
Yeah. I guess I guess that's what it is. But like Kickass, it's got that moment like in his his death scene where he's like, "Take cover, child, and switch to Kryptonite." It's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, what does that even mean? <laughs> Nothing. But his delivery <laughs> is amazing. Yes, I oh, agree. Again, talented gent, but I won't watch his version of The Wicker Man to learn more about Hot Fuzz. <laughs> okay, all right, all right, fair enough, fair enough. All right, well, I mean, I, I, do, I do like this movie a lot. Uh, I, I think that it definitely shows growth on the part of the filmmakers. Uh, part of that probably has to do with just getting a budget and stuff like that, but I think part of it is them learning from their mistakes and, and learning mm-hmm. how to, you know, make movies. And, you know, you'll see as, as they progress that they do get better and better, you know, throughout their careers. I mean, to the point of now them getting offered things like... Star Trek and uh, you know Ant Man and stuff like yeah. that. Or technically, whatever. Edgar Wright did Ant Man. <clears throat> yeah, I mean he he is a co writer for sure. Yeah, along with the Joe Cornish, the documentarian. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, I mean that's you know that's that's cool and everything, and and it, it really is sort of cool to see these these fans uh, get a chance to to make movies the way that they want to make them in a lot of ways you know yeah i mean edgar wright is sort of an auteur in 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 a sense and simon pegg is too i think especially when you look at the movies that he's doing with edgar wright and uh it'll be interesting to see next week when there's a movie which he wrote which was not originated with him and his friends Mm. and and that, that could be That'll be interesting to see the the similarities and the differences, you know. It will. It will. It'll it'll be interesting to see too because there's been no secret about uh the fact that Abrams bounced story ideas off of him for Force Awakens. Yeah. Like the, it'll be interesting to see if there are any any Simon Pegg, you know, sort of like trademark stamps hidden somewhere in there. They'll I mean they'll come out, you know, if you see them. I think I don't know. Like I see his involvement with Force of Force Awakens as being more one of, and I don't understand why more filmmakers don't do this, but sort of like a committee of critics in a sense. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like he, J.J. Abrams knows that that Simon Pegg knows Star Wars, and he trusts him as a writer, and he trusts him as a Star Wars fan. Mm-hmm. And to me, I see like you know Simon Pegg's involvement with Star Wars as being one of um, someone who's there to make sure that Abrams is not led astray. You know what I mean? Yeah, and also to play uh, the constable, uh, weird-looking alien dude. There you go. Oh, is that is that the guy who? Oh, he... it, it hasn't been confirmed, <laughs> but I saw the picture and I put together. If you go back and you see that uh, he's sitting on set talking about filming a Star Wars movie with Abrams, and he's got like a little towel on his head, and he's obviously had something on top of his head causing him to sweat. Yeah, and they've said he's not going to be recognizable. Uh-huh. That constable that they just what, whatever his name is Zuvio. Uh-huh. Rufio. Well, let's just right. call him Rufio. Constable okay. Rufio. Yeah. I, I'm convinced that's Simon Pegg. We're going to find out that's Simon Pegg. Yeah, you know, you're probably right. You're probably right. You know? That's cool. That's cool. Good for him. You know? I'm excited for, for Simon Pegg. I, I know, so uh, am I. I, I, I know that uh, our, our, our listener, Lee, sent you a video from Spaced. Yeah. 
<laughs> with with uh, Simon Pegg, I think essentially playing himself, uh, talking yeah. about uh, the Phantom Menace. Everybody's but, entitled to their own opinion, man. I get but it. But no, see, but but I mean, I think it, in all fairness, you know what what that that clip is saying. In addition to you know that he doesn't like the Phantom Menace, it's also like you're being ridiculous with your crazy like obsessive hatred of the phantom menace you know what i mean yeah 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 Yeah. you know the the the, yeah and he had the interview now where he said i can't respect anybody who likes it it's like well that makes (laughs) me a little sad inside because i like it mr peg and i think we would get along i think that simon peg might not you know, mean everything that he says in a literal oh, he meant sense. It. He meant it. I could He's feel like, the venom in those words. Like I, I could see him hating the prequels, but at the same time to say like, I can't respect anyone who likes any of them, you know? Yeah. I, I, I it's hurtful, man. I don't, I don't, I don't like being talked down to like that, especially <laughs> when I like his work. It's just, it hurts. It stings a little. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. But Edgar Wright says that he likes the third one. Well, Edgar Wright is obviously a man of uh, you know good taste. They go. they talk they talk about that on Spaced because uh, on the Spaced commentary because they have Tarantino on there for like one of the the because the why not? Yeah, they I mean they they literally like the Spaced commentaries are like Diablo Cody, Kevin Smith, uh, Quentin Tarantino. Because yeah, why not? Right? I and you know yeah. <laughs> And, and actually, Tarantino does a commentary for Hot Fuzz as well, where it's Edgar Wright and and Tarantino basically talking about all of the cop movies which they love, which no one else has seen. Um, but for for this this commentary on on space, they talked about how like Tarantino hadn't seen any of the prequels; he just had no interest in them whatsoever. Okay. And then when the third one came out, Edgar Wright's like, "No, no, no, this one's good. Check it out. Check it out." And then he went to see it, and he's like, "This movie's crap." He's like, I, I blame you, Edgar Wright. And Edgar Wright's like, no, I, you know, I just meant it wasn't as bad as, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> Stay, stick to your ground, Edgar Wright. Come on. Don't let yeah. Quentin Tarantino bully you around. Come on. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, well. What can you do? So, all right. Any final thoughts on uh, Hot Fuzz? Yeah, people should see it. If you haven't seen Hot Fuzz... Was it going to kill you to rent it? Three bucks, two hours, you'll have a good time. It's really funny. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. Um, it is kind of cool to see the evolution. It is kind of cool to see it as part of the Cornetto trilogy, especially now since the Cornetto trilogy is complete. And uh, it's cool to see it as a part of Simon Pegg's evolution as a screenwriter leading yeah. up to Star Trek Beyond. So definitely check it out. Well, it's been fun talking about hot fuzz today but that's not the only thing we're talking about here on trek fm this week so here's a look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network previously on trek.fm standard orbit they just happen to come at just the right time right just just the the right time. time for it to be dangerous like literally like not even like that day but like like two minutes before this happens. <laughs> the ready room. Here's one more thing I want to throw out here for you guys. Recasting this episode, because I know you guys like to do this on To the Journey with things, with mm-hmm. series and such. I think that Ma'ab should be played by Will Ferrell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To the Journey! Bravo to the holodeck. Bravo to the holodeck. Bravo to science! 
Yes, for coming to the truth. Commentary, Trek stars. It's like, yeah, that's, I mean, commentary, Trek stars. We can say that's, you see, it's a commentary on Trek star. No, it's because our other show is called Commentary Track Stars, okay? And we were being cute. The 602 Club. I, I had a real fear when they first introduced that character that um, she was going to be the, the opposite of what you had just described, Matthew, that that she would be too young for Bond, that she would be a little wet behind the ears, that, that, it, that we were going to fall back into all these cliches that I thought we had just broken by having uh, the Monica Belushi character there. But I was so relieved that they constructed somebody who had a lot of depth. Women at Warp. So we went in and pitched, and I have to say that was one of the most terrifying experiences of my life. I have scrubbed in on brain surgery. It did not frighten me as much as go as waiting outside Gene Roddenberry's office getting ready to go in and pitch to him. Meta Trex. That would have just been a grand moment if, uh, you know, George Takei would have played Tuvix, you know, and, and when the transporter accident happens, he's standing there in those colorful clothes and just says, oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> and that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. Check out these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, be sure to hit the subscribe button. That helps us out greatly and makes it easier for other listeners to find the show as they search iTunes. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website and grab the RSS link as well. Uh, one way that you can help us out in keeping all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron of the network on Patreon. If you visit patreon.com slash trekfm, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm, you'll find our current goals and different milestone contribution levels along with all the great perks we have for you. These perks include early access to content, exclusive content, producer credits, seats on our content development team, and more. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. Another place that you can help us out, and uh, hey, I'm pretty excited about this myself, is uh, we just opened up a store. Yes, yeah. It's a very <laughs> cool-looking store with a lot of cool-looking products that people can pick up. Yeah, I, I, I personally picked up a Trek FM hoodie, which I'm hoping will be here in a few days. Uh, it's, it's pretty great. Uh, it's, it, it's a Trek FM store where you can get t-shirts or, uh, iPhone cases or stickers. I want to get a sticker, like a bumper sticker for my car, right? I think everybody should, uh, what, what was your team name? The Maroon Monsters? Yes, the Maroon Monsters. Yeah. I think everybody should get a Maroon Monsters bumper sticker. I definitely need to get a Maroon Monsters bumper sticker. But yeah, we've got all sorts of things. And uh, you can find this store on Redbubble if you go to trekfm.link slash trekfmstore, if that makes any sense. trekfm.link slash trekfmstore. You can find all sorts of stuff. You can find a Ninja Cat t-shirt. You can find 
um, like a word cloud thing of the Enterprise, and it actually says like commentary Trek stars in there. Yeah, and you know they've got all sorts of cool stuff on there. I'm sure that there's going to be more stuff coming. I've I've been talking with Aaron, our uh, our art director, about uh, some potential ideas, and uh, hopefully uh, we can get those up there in the near future. And it's exciting, just in time for Christmas. Yeah. So. If you want to contact us, you can fill out the form on trek.fm slash contact, or you can leave us a voicemail. Uh, just go to speakpipe.com slash trek.fm, or you can follow the network on Twitter at trek.fm, or you can follow the network on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm. Uh, Facebook is also where you'll find the Babel Conference. Uh, just type the Babel Conference, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook, or go to our website at trek.fm and click the discussion tab on the menu bar. And uh, I will send us a request, and then we'll approve it, and uh, you'll be good to go. John, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at Kessel Junkie. You can find me on another podcast uh, with my buddy Craig weekly that drops on Thursdays called Words with Nerds on iTunes and Stitcher and whatnot. And uh, you can also find me writing uh, reviews right now for especially the uh, Star Wars Rebels Season 2 on showvote.com. Excellent. I'm hearing good things about the last episode. I, I haven't watched it yet, but I'm anxiously looking very, forward to it. Very good things. It, it yeah. was it was a, a delightful episode, so far as I'm concerned. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to watch it soon. Hopefully tonight. Yeah. yeah, you should. Where can people find you, though, Mike? Oh, well, you can find me right here on Trek FM doing Standard Orbit with Drew, and you can find me on... Uh, CommentaryTrackStars.com doing commentary trackstar babies. And you can also find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K, or you can find the show on Twitter at ComTrackStars, or you can email us directly at ComTrackStars at gmail.com. All right, before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor who helps us bring commentary, Trek Stars, and all of our shows to you each week. And our sponsor for this show is Audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all of the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have the time for. John, what book do you have for us this week? Well, as you mentioned, uh, Agatha Christie is uh, somebody who influenced some of the, the source material behind Hot Fuzz. So. I would recommend uh, that people go over to audible.com and uh, sample And Then There Were None, narrated by Dan Stevens. And if you're not familiar with it, uh, it's, a, uh, it's a best-selling mystery. Ten strangers are lured to an isolated island mansion off the Devon coast by a mysterious U.N. Owen. At dinner, a recorded message accuses each of them in turn of having a guilty secret. And by the end of the night, one of the guests is dead. It starts with ten. And one by one, they start getting killed. It's it's really a wonderful, wonderful story. If you like mysteries, if you like uh, especially murder mysteries or anything with intrigue, and then there were none is a classic. I highly recommend it to people. Yeah, um, I, I haven't read the book, but I've seen the movie, and it's it's quite good. Yeah, very classic. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, as a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And we thank Audible for supporting Commentary, Trek Stars, and the network. All right. Well, that's two films in the Cornetto trilogy down, but... 
We are going to take a break from the Cornetto trilogy itself for the next couple weeks and look at the movies that Simon Pegg wrote in between parts two and three of the trilogy. And first up is the one movie which he rewrote for someone, and that is David Schwimmer's Run, Fat Boy, Run. 